FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast that goes snicked, flashback edition. Flashback! I'm your host, Jason Happy-Go-Lucky Leather Blonde Venable. And I'm joined once again by flashback specialist Cameron. I thought Cameron Hodge was in this story, Sinclair. <laughs> and we have a, a doo-wop for you today. It's uh, Fall of the Mutants. You know, that story uh, all about how Apocalypse uh, sent his horsemen out to, uh, you know, destroy mutant kind and the humans and see who was strongest. And the development of Archangel. You ready to talk about that, Cameron? Hey, hold on. <laughs> what? What's that you say? That's not what's in these issues? <laughs> I was like, did I read the wrong issue? <laughs> you mean you mean these Fall of the Mutants crossovers don't have anything to do with the regular story? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Okay, well. <laughs> either way, we're going to cover... Uncanny X Men 225 through 227. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I started to panic. <laughs> yep. Um, so, but it, it was a massive uh, mutant crossover, kind of the the first since the mutant massacre. And um, you know, this it kind of takes two divergent paths, but it's still pretty important to the Uncanny X Men. So uh, we'll kind of see where it goes. Um, you ready to dive into it? Let's do it. All right. Well, first up, I'm sorry. I have to do my uh, my contractually obligated. Here we go. All right. There you go. Um, <laughs> so first up, we have Uncanny X-Men 225. 225. Yep. 227? 225. What is it? 225. What's the TV show? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. What are you talking about? Oh. So the old TV show about the apartment complex with all the all the old ladies that sat on the stoop and did stuff. Two two seven, I think that's what it was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Sure. Whatever. Irrelevant. I'll have to look it up in a break. Right. All right. So two twenty five. We have Chris Claremont, writer, Mark Silvestri, penciler, Dan Green, inker, <laughs> Tom Morzajowski, letterer, and Glennis Oliver, colorist. Yep. This is False Dawn. Um, Silvestri and I think Green did the cover. Uh, what's on the cover? Well, the cover is a okay depiction of the X-Men fighting the Freedom Force. I use air quotes when I did that. <laughs> With uh, the Blob and Stonewall, Mystique, and then... Oh, so the, the, spiral. Or, spiral. Yes. You want to say Shiva, but that's not right. Oh, no, not yet. Spiral, yeah, yeah. Yes, Spiral. And so they're fighting Spiral, and it's an okay drawing. I don't, I don't, for some reason, the blob's head is really tiny. <laughs> Which I get it's supposed to be smaller because he's the blob. Right. But it's like weird. It, it actually makes him look like he's wearing one of those fake sumo suits. It does. It looks like a fat like suit. He looks like a regular person in a sumo suit. Yeah. So, yep. but yeah, that's about it. And Colossus is in his underwear. 
Colossus um, in his underwear. Dazzler's doing finger guns. Yeah, with their super sexy stance. And then we have Rogue <coughs> kind of looking like an old man flying around. It's not yeah. so. I I'm I really really like Silvestri in this period, but this is yeah, not his do. best work. This cover is does not is not reflective of Silvestri. I don't think. No. All right. So remember, leading up to this, that Storm and Forge are have gone off to. Or, or does that happen in this issue? I don't remember. Uh, they're making their trek, and uh, Wolverine has taken the X Men to head to Dallas. Um, they fought the Hulk, and that's kind of where we are. Picking up right after the uh, Hulk episode. Yes. All right. Um, so we open up with Peter Colossus sitting on basically some rubble um, in uh, Scotland, reflecting on the big battle that had happened with Juggernaut a while back in Edinburgh, where they are. Right. Edinburgh, is that where they are? Yeah. I think so, yeah. And so he's drawing, and... The first panel actually is a picture of the drawing he's drawing, which is really amazing, I thought. Yeah, it's weird. Colossus draws just like Mark Silvestri. It's really interesting. <laughs> uh, except that it's, it's, some of the pictures are interesting, but we'll get into that with the art. So a pretty amazing sketch drawing, though, of the X-Men. Right. Uh, and then we have kind of remembering the fight, and then Colossus is talking to some kids that show up. Um, the boys get into a fight over gender representation issues, one of them <laughs> believing that the X-Men has too many girls now and needs more boys, and so they get into a fight. Then they have, then the boys start stop fighting about gender and start fighting about mutantness, claiming that mutants are bad um, and that then one kid says they're not, and then those kids run off. <laughs> when Colossus basically says, stop fighting, we're all people. Although I really wanted Colossus to armor up at that point right then and just be like, we're all people. See? Bam! Right. But it doesn't happen. I mean, he does do that, but it's later. So no spoilers. <laughs> Ten-second spoiler alert. <laughs> um, anyway, so the boys run off, and suddenly a lady that looks like she's probably a prostitute offers to trade Peter a, a palm reading for a picture of her. So Peter says, sure, draws her a picture, and then she tells him a whole bunch of stuff that starts to freak him out, and then right before he gets mad, she disappears, leaving behind an old Franklin Mint chess piece. It, it looks like if Colossus Col- presented the Oscars. Yeah, like a little Col- yeah, Colossus Oscar. <clears throat> and then he looks at the drawing, and it look, turns out that she wasn't even drawing that lady. She was drawing uh, Roma. Roma, the Italian we'll restaurant. That's right. Not the uh, gypsies, but <laughs> a lady. Anyway, so at that moment when he's reflecting or looking at the picture and being surprised that he drew that, the mean boys show back up through a firecracker. The firecracker startles Colossus again, and he involuntarily armors up. He then begins to explain. Oh, wait, he explains that later, actually. So he turns into uh, armor form, and then the mean kids run away, and then the one kid that was defending mutants also looked scared, and so Colossus then runs away, <laughs> feeling like, I am a monster. He runs off. I'm not a monster. <laughs> um, anyway, and then so we cut to a chessboard of a bunch of X-Men and Freedom Force characters, and that weird lizard lizard guy oh yeah the lizard owl guy yeah Yeah, lizard owl 
um, into like a little palace type place. Out of the chessboard flies Naze, and he then begins to have a conversation with Roma about how she's imprisoned there and how he's got this game all working together. He announces that he is the trickster and how they're at this war for the world and the chess piece represents what's happening. So we cut back to Scotland where there's a picture, kind of a cool, what looks like a breakfast club picture of the (laughs) X-Men, but a wanted poster about how the X-Men are wanted by the Human Rights League. Um, and Juggernaut has written Juggernaut was here on it. (laughs) And then Colossus is becoming upset about the uh, injustice of it all, believing that the bad guys cause all the damage, but the X-Men are getting blamed for it. Feels like it's not right. Um, And then shouts at the sky, why are we so fearsome? Which is a weird phrase, I thought, but... (laughs) Whatever. Then that's when he begins. Uh, yes, here's where he then describes why, basically, that the injuries. I don't know. I don't think they've established this up to this point, but that he's now the injuries he suffered in the mutant massacre basically made it so that his natural state is steel, and so to he has to really focus to make himself turn back into flesh. Right. Yeah. But I had to know that I'd forgotten all. I either didn't know that, so you're right. They just didn't say, or I forgot all about it. I don't think they've established it because I think the last time I don't I think he hadn't done anything since he was in a coma. That's true. Yeah. Okay. I think this is his first the first time he shows up since being in a coma. I think at least that I remember. So anyway, um, so he explains all that. Then he thinks about giving up on everything, and then very quickly changes his mind, decides to go find the X Men, uh, destroys a phone booth, and then calls on his sister who teleports there, uh, Ilyana, uh, and he convinces her to teleport him to X, uh, to wherever the X-Men are, which is in Dallas, we know. Um, and Ilyana takes a few minutes to let us know that the New Mutants are on a very important mission and she needs to get back quickly. So New Mutants 58, I assume also a Fall of the Mutants crossover. I, I believe so. Yeah, I think it's 58 through 60 for them. Okay, but it's New Mutants, so we don't care. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so now we're back just in kidding, Dallas. Just kidding, John and Andrew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kidding, just kidding. Um, we're back to Dallas, and Storm's flying around investigating Eagle Plaza, thinking it looks um, haunted. They decide they're going to go in, and Wolverine appears with a snicked, which I wish every episode, every comic, Wolverine, Wolverine's first panel was a snicked. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really wish that, but in this case, it was really cool. Yeah, the it is. First, first time he shows up. Nobody goes inside till I give the word. Snicked. <laughs> so then he uses his blades to pick the lock, which I don't like because then it reinforces the needle version of the right the claws, which I don't like as much. Yeah, and Silvestri hasn't been doing that, so that was interesting. So he picks the lock, goes in, a bunch of lasers shoot him up. Uh, we have the kind of slower mutant factor. We've talked a little bit about that before. And so he's hurt. The, the healing factor is going to heal him, but it's going to take a few minutes. And so Longshot tries to save him. Um, and then the Freedom Force shows up. They all run into Stonewall. And then the Blob yells at them. And we get into a big fight out in front of Dallas. Mystique is there. Psylocke tries to create a plan where Dazzler is going to blast everybody. But then, uh, oh, what's the gold-faced lady? Destiny? Yeah, Destiny. Destiny. 
um, knows it's going to happen, obviously, because she's his future, and so she warns them all. Um, and then they – is this the first time we get the Freedom Force introduced? No. no. They've already established them. Oh, right? yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, I thought so. I'm trying to remember. I mean, uh, this makeup of the Freedom Force. Yeah, because the, uh, the old guys joined a couple issues ago. Or maybe the oh, issue right, before. Into 23, I think. Something yeah. like that, because Mystique was like, I don't want to work with them. And Valerie <laughs> Cooper was like, you have to. Oh, yeah. So that's right. So we got the Freedom Force. Um, we get some more fighting. Longshot has a weird moment where he thinks he's falling in love with Spiral. Did you catch that? I don't know if I did or not. Or Longshot says, Spiral's basically trying to attack him. And he says, this has nothing to do with the X-Men. It's me, Spiral hates. And yet, in her eyes, oh. behind the rage, something tender. Yeah. I think he's falling for Spiral. I, I think that hints at a past involvement that he's forgotten about. Oh, yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Hey, John Wilson has read the Dazzler miniseries. I'm sorry, not Dazzler. A long shot miniseries. So if he can want to send us an email and fill us in on kind of their relationship. Yeah, I, I don't really want to read the long shot miniseries, but I would like to know that because that is a kind of a weird thing to say in the middle of this battle. Right. So it'd be it'd be interesting to know if there's a longer story behind that. I believe there is. It ties them all <laughs> back to Mojo and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. Mojo rising. Mojo um, rising. And the uh, so uh, keep sorry. on rising. <laughs> So, uh, we got more rising, rising. <laughs> All right, Speaking I'm done. of rising, um, <laughs> Psylocke's trying to get Blob to stand up and he won't. And she's trying to use her brain to make him stand up. And he says, I'm not going to stand up. And then the, uh, fast guy, Silver Saber, is that his name? Oh, well, let's mention why she wants him to stand up. I think we kind of glossed over that. Well, I was going to come back to that cause they don't show it. Do they? Yeah. In the big thum, the awesome thum. Oh, I did. I didn't catch that. That's right. Blob jumps on top of Wolverine. Yeah, he's sitting on him like a he fat. Jumps jerk. off the cliff and sits down on top of Wolverine. That's funny. I I didn't catch that until in a minute when Wolverine knocks him off. Oh, uh, okay. I didn't. I saw him fall down, but I didn't. I get whatever reason I didn't connect that he fell on top of Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that makes that even funnier to know that he's sitting there and Wolverine's just under there. Right. <laughs> Underwear. Oh. Ew. Ew. Uh, yes. So Silver Saber tries to get Psylocke, but she tricks him in his brain. And then Commando says, your powers work on people whose brains are working, but I know how to shut my brain down. <laughs> so brain dead superhero. With pizza. chops her in the neck. And then we have a blob showing an odd amount of gum. Yeah, that was weird. Sitting there. And then, of course, awesome Wolverine snicks him in the butt. <laughs> and the blob jumps up in the sky. Shoots up in the air. <laughs> not quite sure why he would fly into the air, but. Yeah. Still pretty funny. It's, um, it's very it, Looney Tunes, but it's pretty great. Yeah, it work, It works well. If they did too much of that, it would have been lame, but. Right. In a, in a brief moment of comic relief, it was pretty. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and so, right as Blob shows up in the or flies up into the air, uh, Colossus appears, being transported by his sister, as we already saw. And then Colossus punches Blob, and Blob flies off. Then Storm shows up and says, "You're all on the same side. Don't fight the Freedom Force." 
<laughs> or is it Storm? Uh-oh. It's not. It's Mystique. Yeah. Sorry to burst everyone's bubble. So then we get more, a little bit more fighting, but then suddenly the sun opens up to the sky. A rip in the space. It's nighttime. And suddenly the sky opens up. I don't know why I'm doing hand motions. Podcast. So I can see you. Yeah. You can see me. <laughs> Rips the sky. <laughs> and it looks great, listeners. That's right. Rips the sky like a Hulk Hogan t shirt. <laughs> and sun, sun Brother. pours through. <laughs> Sun's pouring down on the city, and all the Freedom Force people look up and go, Oh. <laughs> right. Actually, I wish that's what they'd done. Instead, they soliloquize about how that's the end of the world, maybe. Possibly, yeah. Possibly the end of the world. <laughs> and so we're left on that note of the Freedom Force staring at the sky. Next issue, go tell the Spartans. Right. So back to the conversation with Colossus and the kids while he's sketching on a sketch pad. Yeah. I like that uh, there's a Dallas reference to J.R. Ewing and Max Headroom, who I will yeah. dub America's best ambassadors. <laughs> yeah. That's all these kids know about America. That was really funny. I also like that he said Max Headroom instead of Headroom. That's how it's spelled. Headroom it is? Yeah. No. Yeah, it's because I mispronounced it forever. I didn't know that they intentionally said it a different way. Because I didn't really watch the show as much. So I just saw it written well, down places. You're correct. Yeah. Max Headroom is a fictional British artificial intelligence. Oh, he's British? That's what it says. Oh. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Does anybody I, know Max Headroom? The, only, that? the thing I yeah. remember most about Max Headroom is when Sledgehammer right. got sucked into like a video game and he looked like Max Headroom. Yes. Here, I'm going to play some Max Headroom for the audience. Okay. This is Max Headroom. And what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister sounding intros to a trailer to one of the greatest epics ever produced in the history of television. And there's more. Because you are going to see it as well. Yes, it. Yes, it. Yes, namely, the Max Syndrome Strength Story. <sighs> and afterwards, that is directly following, I want to talk to you about something even bigger. Namely, that wasn't as cool as I thought it would be. That's terrible. That sounds, granted, I didn't see it. Only you saw it. But that sounds what? terrible. Let's see here. I know this is really stupid. I'm not even <laughs> sure if that's. I'm not even sure if that's real Max Headroom. I think it is. I don't so. know. I don't know. Yeah, but I was also surprised. <laughs> I didn't realize that back in 1987, the kids were saying "so boss." Yeah, I caught that too. I thought that was an interesting. That was a phrase. Maybe in Scotland that was a phrase. Ah, maybe so. And then it made its way back. They were to way me. ahead of their time. Yeah. So that Max Headroom didn't sound British either. So I'm not sure. Yeah, so that was weird. I don't know why Google called him a British figure. Whatever. Who cares? Max Hedrum was way... I wish I hadn't looked that up. I feel like I feel like I just lost part of my childhood. <laughs> Something that I remember being, like, not cool necessarily, but interesting was really lame. So, right. bad fool. So, uh, the art in the impossible place, the trippy art, looks really cool. Yep. I thought uh, so. The checkerboard reminded me a lot with the players of a Clash of the Titans in the Mount yeah. Olympus scene. Yeah, I did. The um, little clay figures. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. It also reminded me of those, and I made the reference, those old Franklin Mint chess sets they used to advertise on yes. TV. Yeah. 
where you'd have really uh, detailed figurines to play chess with. Yeah. You can get some pretty cool, I don't know the money or really the storage space for them, but there are several cool like comic book chess sets that are super detailed. And Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch. Uh, there's a really great Batman one that my friend Ryan collects. So, yeah, so they can still Very get cool. stuff like that. Um, yeah. I love. I'm not sure what where the Scottish desert is that Colossus is wandering <laughs> around, but the art in that is great. Like his faces and the way all of our colors, like all the reflection in the metal, looks really, really good. Yeah, it does look cool. It is. It is kind of. It looks like a like a. An atomic bomb dropped or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's like way more damage than the fight with Juggernaut would have would have produced. But <laughs> it seems like it. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the the scene of him breaking the payphone is pretty hilarious because he tries to punch the numbers and he punches <laughs> through them. Yeah. And then he gets mad and just wrecks the whole thing. Yeah. And then somehow still calls his sister. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Smash the numbers. And, we'll figure that out, but I don't know. And Cameron, yeah, I've lived with with a few stints like college and stuff being away. I've lived in the Dallas area almost forty years now. Yeah, and you mostly the same. As have I, yeah. Yeah, have you ever heard Dallas called the Star City of the Sun Belt? I've never heard that phrase before. Okay, all right, just making sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought about it when I read it. And I guess if there was going to be a star city of the Sun Belt, it would be Dallas. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't it be like Phoenix? Are we really in the Sun Belt? I don't, what, what is Is the Sun Belt a real thing? Yeah, Sun Belt okay. states. Oh, okay. Then just where but, we have hot summers? Yeah, well, I just post where all the defense industry popped up after World War II. Oh, okay. So like, Cal, uh, like uh, Florida and then like Texas to Colorado. Like that's, right. I mean, not Colorado, Texas to California. The sun belts, the sunny parts of the country, right? Okay. I don't know. That's someone from the Northeast where it's gloomy made that up. Right. Uh, yeah, but yeah. So I guess, but I don't know. Because then you're also talking about like LA and oh, yeah. Houston and you know, all these cities that grew a lot not, not in Houston. that era. So I don't, I don't know about Dallas being the star city. I mean, for me it is because I live right. there. But. I wonder if this is where the Dallas Stars got their name. <laughs> Just kidding. If any hockey fans don't jump on me, I know it's because they were previously the Minnesota North Stars. So, yeah. All right. So just get get the angry emails out of the way. Qualify that right there. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna be angry about something, hockey fans. Be angry at me because I say hockey is stupid. <laughs> just kidding. I don't think it's stupid. It's just, just soccer on <laughs> skates, right? Do what? All right. Angry emails are back. <laughs> Yeah, no, I just, uh, I just think it's a, it's a Yankee sport and doesn't, shouldn't be in Texas. <laughs> so not, not south of the Mason-Dixon line. That's right. Okay. All right. I feel like hockey fans are only people who moved here from somewhere else. I don't know. I'm enjoying their playoff run right now. So. I know a lot of people that love hockey, and I've gone to games, and it's fun. It's a fun game to go to. I just don't, I don't like it on TV. Right. So just nitpicky real fast. I know. Everybody does this, even even local people, when you depict Dallas, kind of shove Reunion Tower into the middle because it's the only really landmark. Yeah. But not quite the right skyline there. So just yeah. a really nitpicky. Very a, random skyline just with Reunion Tower in it. Right. <laughs> Which if you've never been to Dallas or don't know what Reunion Tower is, I used to refer to it as a kid as a, 
granted, I was a kid, so the, the proportions are not quite right. But I used to call it Godzilla's golf ball. <laughs> but maybe Godzilla's T-ball would work. Yeah, yeah. maybe. It depends right. on what Godzilla you're looking at. True. Not the new one. Not the one with uh, Ferris Bueller. The new one with, yeah. No, no, I mean, the one, the new, new one with uh, Walter White. He's in there? Yeah. I never saw it. Oh, you didn't see it? Yeah, Uh -uh. it's pretty good. Then the golf ball would work on that one. Okay. Cool. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) It's really, let's really get into this metaphor. Yes, let's do it. (laughs) Uh, but yes, it's just a, ball, a tower with a ball on top. Yeah. Okay, so yes. Um... Yeah, a cool snicked introduction. Um, so I did go to, to John. I mentioned John already had read the Longshot series, and I knew about him. So I did go to him. This, as far as I know, and then also as far as he knows, is the first mention of Longshot being a mutant of his species. Oh, which kind of qualifies him to kind of remain with the X-Men. Before, he was just... I guess alien is not really the right word, but extra dimensional. And so he was still not human. Yeah. Um, but now we know that, that even from where he comes from, he's different and a mutant. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, it seems kind of a little bit shoehorned in here, but like, oh, wait, someone's going to write a letter and complain that Longshot's not a mutant. So let's make him a, a mutant from yeah. somewhere else. <laughs> Make sure that he has his mutant cred. Right, yeah, his street cred, yeah. Um, let's see. Then we get a nice Havoc panel on page 15. Looks really good. I Silvestri drawing Havoc pleases me. Yeah, it's very cool. I don't really like the way Silvestri draws the blob, though. At least not the face. I Yeah, I see that, but I do like him when we have the cartoony scene. Like the yep. little kind of Dennis the Menace faces he makes are pretty great. Yeah, um, I did. I did like that too. I, I don't really know what what I would want. It's like I don't, it's not like I have a set. The blob looks better like this. I don't really have a good one. The blob right. is just kind of a character that doesn't really ever look cool, but he's not supposed to be. He's just supposed to be a blob. Right. I don't know. There's something very cartoon, like oddly cartoony, which in that one when that in the one set of panels works perfectly because it's supposed to be funny. But then a lot of these other panels, he looks like a little cartoon kid. Right. Next to a really cool looking version of Wolverine's <laughs> face. Well, this is weird. Yeah. But that Thum, so, so it's like an empty space panel with the big word Thum. And then yeah. in each letter, you see the blob falling on Wolverine. It's yeah. pretty great. I didn't, yeah, I didn't, when I first saw it, I didn't catch that that was Wolverine's face. And then it flipped and it's Wolverine's perspective. Right. Seeing the blob fall on top of Wolverine. For whatever yeah, reason. And it gets closer each letter. It's, it's yeah, pretty. It's really, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's gross to think about Wolverine just sitting under his butt that whole time. Yeah. And why Why didn't Wolverine poke him sooner? I don't know. It seems like the very first thing he'd do is put his claws out. <laughs> Maybe it knocked him out. for. I, I'm, it probably knocked him out. That's true. And he's still hurt from the lasers. And so maybe he true. thought, well, this is a good time to sit and heal. Yeah. So uh, yeah. before, um, when Silver Saber locks, knocks Dazzler out and she falls over, the way yeah. Sylvester drew her costume and her elbow looks like she has a back boob. <laughs> it does look like that. That's weird. And I'll like tweet a picture of that later. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird draw panel of her, too, because she's oddly sexualized. Yeah, she's falling over. Just be, 
Yeah, she's supposed to just be collapsed on the ground and she got knocked over, but it's like she fell over in a sexy pose. Yes, but for all the pros of Mark Silvestri, and for something I've probably considered a pro when I was 12, one of the cons yeah. of Silvestri is he's he's a little uber sexy sometimes. Not as bad now as like when he starts his own image company, Top Cow, where he yeah. just embraces his well, inner playboy. Sell, he's trying to sell books, man. That's uh, true, true. Yeah. He's fully embraced being a TNA artist, but... um. Yeah. <laughs> the close-up of Psylocke's leg makes me realize how much I hate her little calf curtains. <laughs> calf curtains. I know, they're so weird. <laughs> Very it's such strange. a dumb thing to add to a costume. Yeah. It seems like it would... There's no positive. It doesn't look cool. And there's only negative because it seems like it would just get caught on stuff all the time. Whenever you're walking, it would get caught on a right. drawer or a cabinet or something. Exactly. Not good for combat. Not good for combat. And it's not like a cape where it's kind of bad for combat, but it has other advantages. Like, yeah. I don't see any advantage to this at all. No, except unless it's a pocket and then you can put something in it. True. Maybe that's where she keeps her keys and identification. Maybe, Maybe so. Anyway, you already commented on the dumb Crimson Commando panel, not how he has no brain. Yeah, uh, which which I buy, but it's still stupid. <laughs> yeah. Then the only the only other thing I have is at the end when the light breaks out on Dallas, uh, Reunion Tower's gone. Yeah, yeah. It's not that skyline anymore. Maybe it's behind. It's supposed to be behind the big building there. Yeah, or maybe it's where it really belongs, kind of off to the side. Yeah. I don't mean or, that disparagingly. Just geographically, it's not really. Yeah. Well, it's uh, not even. In this panel, this is spread out enough that it's not even there. Right. Anyway, any other comments before we talk about the art? Um, no. Right. What do you think of the art in this issue? I think it's overall good. Yeah, I liked it. Got a lot of great stuff in it. There's a few, uh, a few just little things here and there that I didn't like as much, but it's not bad, just more choice, like the blob's face. Right. But overall, yeah, I mean, it's pretty classic. Um, Sylvester at this time. Yeah. All right. What do you think of the story? Um, it's good. I think it's interesting. It's kind of, it's, it's not really much happens here. It's like a lot of, a lot happens, but it doesn't really advance the story that far. It's really just, it brings Colossus back into the mix, which I'm happy about because of course I like Colossus and want him to be in the mix. Right. Uh, but that's really the only eventful thing. I mean, it's kind of this and then some fighting and they're just kind of waiting on this moment where they come through the sky. And so it's kind of a, it's really, a, it's more of a setup comic setting us up for the next issue rather than really advancing the story necessarily in and of itself, except for the Colossus part. So right. that's good. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's um, a good one. I gave it, I gave Uncanny X-Men 225 Kind of was on the fence, but I ended up going with a really strong four out of six claws. What did you give it? Uh, the same. That was about the same. I think it's a good, solid read. Cool. <laughs> Sniff right into the microphone there. <laughs> yeah. Are you, re you were recording that? Let me do it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Uncanny X-Men 226. We continue the fall of the mutants. Fall of the mutants. My friend. I wish we had a sweet theme song. We did need a theme song. Um, where are the where are the credits in this issue? What is that song? Oh, here we are. All right. This is Go Tell It to the Spartans. 
written by on the mount (laughs) written by chris claremont art by mark silvestri and dan green oliver and ray are the colorists so we have split colors uh glennis oliver uh, who's been doing the book? And this Ray guy uh, gets—he gets a whole name in the next issue. His name is um, Bill. Bill Ray. Do you think that that Glennis's green pin ran out? <laughs> it must. Was, have. I, I can't do the greens. <laughs> and so they had to call Ray, who showed up with a green pin and did all the green part, including parts that shouldn't be green. Yeah. Now you can tell yeah. where the colors switch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You you can tell I yeah I don't want to disparage anybody but uh, Ray does the next issue as well and I don't remember after that I'm hoping we're not done with Oliver because Ray doesn't quite cut it but anyway we'll, I, we'll, I agree it's we'll, not there's not enough distinction well we'll get to that in a minute um Tom Orzakowski is a letterer of course and um so go tell it to the Spartans is, go tell it to the Spartans. Bang all your shields and throw your spears. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. You got to yell something from 300 now. <laughs> Douche! <laughs> Not everything's that. I'm just, I'm, sorry, that was uh, the actors calling Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Zack Snyder said, oh, what? What? You, you call me? You rang? Let me make my movies look more like a video game, please. Right. Yeah, anyway. So the X-Men regroup inside Eagle Plaza to let Wolverine heal. They have Mystique, but Freedom Force has Rogue, Psylocke, and Dazzler. Which I guess I remember that happening. Um, <laughs> Destiny is freaking out over the end of the world. A light shines on Dallas. Aww. Dazzler wakes up and blinds most of her captors. But Spiral does does what we all want to do to Dazzler and removes her from the picture with a magic sword mask. (laughs) Rogue and Spiral tumble. Storm and Forge rekindle their romance on an imaginary world. The trickster turns Dallas into a uh, mashup of the ghost of Dallas present, past, and future. Wolverine frees Mystique and gets a truce so the X-Men and FF, not that FF, can form an alliance. They fight all manner of time-displaced dangers together. Back in Never Never Land, Forge explains the trickster adversary to Storm. Uh, Just think Supreme Chaos. Supreme Chaos. Forge wants to stay. Storm goes on a quest to find herself and possibly a way home. Back in the Big D, our heroes are helping people regroup, and Havoc speaks his mind to the newsman. Tying this very tangentially to our Follow the Mutants actual event, Wolverine discovers that no backup is coming because they're all busy, so it's the last stand time, and they're all busy fighting Apocalypse. (laughs) Yeah. And his horsemen. Colossus is going back inside, but Psylocke wants to read his mind to give everyone a plan, here she sees Roma, the goddess, protector of the Omniverse, or the Omelette-verse, whichever you prefer. The X-Men are going in to fight their way floor by floor to the top of Eagle Tower. A year passes for Storm as she returns to Forge. They determine the adversary wants them to be his new Adam and Eve. All they have to do is forsake the old world. But Forge, 
who really kind of still wants to stay, even in spite of that. But is, he loves Storm, and he knows how bad she wants to go home. So he has a plan and might have a way to get them home. So Psylocke detects, oh, back in Dallas, Psylocke detects faint traces of Romo leading them, but into a trap. Wolverine splits the team. The X-Men will follow, but if it's a trap, indeed, the FF need to stay, Freedom Force need to stay behind just in case. That way, not everybody is lost. I really like his reasoning. His reasoning is that the X-Men are outlaws, even though they're the real good guys, so nobody would miss them. And even though Freedom Force are all old bad guys, they're government-sanctioned, so people are more apt to trust them. So if one team should be lost, it should be the X-Men, and then Freedom Force can help the people. So I, I thought that was actually like, you know, as much as Wolverine was kind of the reluctant leader, he's showing some pretty good leadership skills. Yeah. Um, so back in Never Neverland, Forge says he didn't just, or he didn't really take away Storm's powers. He just blocked her ability to use them. He gives them back by shooting her with a gun again, and Storm summons them to power Forge's contraption to return home where the adversary awaits. Woo! What a story. A lot. There's a whole lot going on. Yeah. What well, was a double, uh, double-sized issue? Double-sized. Um, and I love this first page. Yeah, it's a great first page. And we've my never... only, my oh. only complaint uh-huh. is that this. I feel like this pushes to the side where his healing factor is almost too slow. Okay. I was going to say, we got kind of a new thing that I really enjoyed, and that's the concept, and I don't know if this ever comes back. Uh, We'll see as we go through the books. But it's the concept of a healing coma. I thought that was really cool that even his healing factor has a healing factor. Yeah. I I don't know. I I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I do think that's that's interesting. I guess what I I found weird about it is I don't, it doesn't, they didn't do a very good job in the previous issue of showing that he right. was really that bad. Because yes. it looked like he got shot with some lasers. And then the blob set on him. And then the blob set on him. But he wasn't that hurt during the fight because he was no. awake and doing stuff. In fact, when he stabbed, when he snicked a blob in the ass, he was grinning. Yeah. And so <laughs> now he got, then he, now he's suddenly so hurt he has to go into a coma, which I thought was, I don't know, it's a little, I, I like the idea of the coma, but I, feel like it's weirdly drawn here or really placed like he should then go into the coma and heal i don't know though but he's got a fight to do so i don't know true true he's got to he's got to handle his business he doesn't have time for a coma so maybe he's mind over matter mind over mattered himself to stay awake and yeah it wasn't clear in the previous issue that the freedom force had actually captured several of them But I guess they fell down, and so maybe that well, means Well, we'll they... find in the next issue. There's a lot of off-panel capturing yeah. in this story. Well, no. That's kind of weird. Yeah. I like the NPRs driving around covering the story. I thought that was cool. <laughs> that was weird, too. Guy just suddenly gets pulled into the action. And it's really abrupt, too, because when I read it, I then kept thinking... I, I looked back at 225 and I was like, did I miss this guy in 225? <laughs> it's like, it feels like he's just suddenly he's there. And you're like, wait, what? But yeah. So I, I'm page six. Uh, as Dazzler wakes up, I wrote in my notes, Dazzler's powers did what? <laughs> so basically when Super, when Super Saber, I thought it was Silver Saber. Oh, anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I think it is Silver Saber. Anyway, when Super Saber decked 
her with his microsonic boom, her own power must have absorbed the brunt of the shockwave. But I thought, so she can take sound and turn it into light. Can she just take sound and and drain power? It's almost like she said she absorbed the sound so his punch didn't hurt as much. Or is it because his punch wasn't physical at all? Was that, is that what it is? Like it was only the sound wave that was supposed to knock her out. And since she uses sound for her power, she was able to absorb it. So he didn't actually yeah, hit her. I think that's what they're supposed to. I think that's okay. what they're Well, then never mind. I'll buy that. So I think that he's, he's shooting out sonic sound waves in the way that Havoc shoots out. Plasma. Plasma. Plasma so TVs. Like, or like uh, Scott's, uh, Cyclops' kind of concussion blast so it's more like that where it's like he's not punching people because he's like an old man right but he's he's shooting out these sonic booms like i guess that's the idea so it's the sound knocking people over which seems like everyone's ears would bleed yeah it's the weird. first time he did that but i don't know but yeah that was we it was a weird uh and now i'm fully powered okay <laughs> so anyway the uh on page eight, uh, Spiral took a timeout at some point from the fight to go tanning. Yeah. Um, she is awfully orange in that panel. <laughs> Got all tanned up. Yeah. I thought the, the mask thing was kind of dumb, I thought, but... Yeah. They may do more with it later that is interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I don't... Yeah. At least they don't in 227 either, so... Right. It's just like a weird thing just to blind Dazzler for some reason. I guess if she can't shoot people with her lights, I don't know. I guess, but can't she still use her? How, how does that suppress her power? Because she can shoot out of her fingers with her finger guns too, right? Right. Unless she absorbs it through her eyes, but that doesn't make sense. I don't know. Unless I think, it, a, I think it makes I, her crazy, so it just takes her out of the fight. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, she's bl- I get it. she's blind. She can't do as much, so yeah. But it's uh, it's not clear to me exactly what that means. Yeah. Why it's as big a deal as they act like it is. It's magic. Magic. So then um, we see cavemen and dinosaurs and, of course, cowboys. And I really like, on page 12, we get a snicked where the claw is the eye. Yeah. That was really cool. I like that. I wrote, any ideas? Nope. Oh, (laughs) when they make the truce. Wolverine sets Mystique free, and he's like, um, we should team up. And Mystique's like, all right, truce. You have any ideas? And Wolverine's like, nope. <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll figure something out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, make it up as we go along. So I, I wanted to point out that we have a T-Rex in the Galleria. thought that was yep. fun. Pretty fun. Yeah, actually kind of looks like the Galleria, right? Uh, kind of. At least I, in my head I remember it. Yeah. So I guess Claremont did some research. Yeah. Or Silvestri, probably, I guess, more likely. Came to Dallas, you probably went. In this era, if you came to Dallas, oh. as a, you probably went to the Galleria, so. Yes. Yeah, the the dinosaur part's kind of cool, I thought, although this is where I think the color shifts, and so it gets a little less interesting, but. Right. I thought, uh, I'll keep going. I'm going to say at the, at the junction of I-35 and the Dallas North Tollway, so Chris Claremont knows his, uh, he dropped some Dallas traffic knowledge on us. Yeah. There's a lot of sound effects on that page. There's a lot of sound effects. Right. Is is this supposed to be past, present, future 
in Dallas? Yes, all at or once. Is it, because then where, who are these guys? You don't remember the old Dallas Vikings? So, yeah, where are these Vikings? There's a castle. Is this like a reference to the Mormon story about the white Indians before? <laughs> I will uh, not, uh, not bother with that. <laughs> I, and I don't even mean that as a joke. I mean, just the idea that right. the, this Bronze Age people with swords, I don't know who they are. Who would they be? Oh, you know, Dallas, Dallas people. I guess. I mean, unless it's like... Maybe it's not geographic. I have no idea. I mean, it, maybe just the worlds are are folding in on each other. Like, cause the, but with, the, but with the, Indians, they make a specific location reference. Yeah, they do. I don't know. With the, with the Native Americans that show up. So, yeah, and you get these guys with axes. I mean, they look like... Well, it's because... Like cavemen characters. Yeah. Like Conan the Barbarian era cavemen characters, but that... Well, maybe it's, maybe it's actually Dallas is. future. Maybe someday there will be a medieval times at I-35 in the Dallas tollway. Maybe. Or maybe it's just medieval times. That's at <laughs> I-35 in the Dallas tollway. <laughs> <laughs> They're at the restaurant, medieval times. Yeah, yeah, that's where these guys are. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. So we get a nice snick on the bottom of that page. Uh, your choice snick. Thought that was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, and then just lots of fighting, lots of news coverage. It's, it's pretty cool, pretty interesting, but I don't know if there's anything yeah, no real specific, specific thing. worth commenting on. Uh, yeah, I, I like I kind of like the reporter stuff. It feels almost like a, I feel like we're almost watching a documentary of the X-Men right? with it, which I like kind of the here's a moment of interview almost between an X-Men and a, the journalist guy. Yeah. I thought, this, I thought it added an interesting element to it. Definitely. That if they if they did a lot, I'm sure I'd get sick of it. But for this right. one double issue, it seemed like a you know if, you, if you're gonna do a gimmick for a double issue, um, this is a pretty good one to go with. I felt like yeah, I enjoyed it. So the magic world that Storm and Forge are on, they said it was parallel to our world, right? But just devoid of other human like, like yeah, I guess so. like the idea is that the trickster serving his own kind of chaos deity I guess time to start over so he wants to take the world and destroy and make a new world and he wants Adam uh, not Adam Forge yeah. and Storm to be his kind of his Adam and Eve like his first new couple but other than that the world is mostly the same I got was the kind of impression I got but then Storm walks from Yellowstone to Africa so there mu- there must be more differences than just Unless it's supposed to be like a Pangea, like back oh, to Oh, okay. That's it's still a was... long walk, but at least you could do it. Yeah, theoretically. I don't know that Yellowstone Park would be there. <laughs> I mean, the mountains were all created by the breaking and stuff. Oh, but... hmm. Nah. There's, there's still problems with that, but... Right. But, but, uh, but you yeah, think about it. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, That's kind of what I assumed. It was like a new... Like a, they're starting all over, so pre-human evolution, you know, right. pre-humanity. Okay. But there's no dinosaurs either, so I don't know. I yeah, don't know. There are giraffes. Oh uh, well, I don't know. But in regard to us, that last panel of, of Storm standing in the moonlight looks pretty cool. <laughs> in the moonlight. <laughs> uh, then, yeah. yeah. A lot good. more fighting. We have um like you said, Native Americans riding around, some cowboys. The guy's pickup truck says coyote on it. I um, think now now explain this to me here. So 
who are these people that the Freedom Riders are driving in trucks? Are they just people they have found in the streets of Dallas? I think so, yeah. Like that last scene of UHF where everybody <laughs> drives up in their big, big, big wheel trip pickups. So yeah. here's the question. A bunch of Native Americans show up on horses for no reason. Right. In traditional... One of the guys in the pickups starts shooting at them. Well, because they can't trust the Washington but Redskins. Conceivably, this is just a dude from the 80s in his pickup... Right who's driving around the streets of Dallas, he sees Native Americans and shoots at them. Okay, well, here's the deal. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say he's not just a racist hick. Okay. But he's a really big Dallas Cowboys fan. Okay. And the Dallas Cowboys, one of their big rivals in the 80s was the Washington Redskins. And the okay. logo on their helmet was a Native American and headdress. So I'm not going to comment on all the, the name controversy in the NFL. I don't. I'll let other people worry about that. But um, when he sees the guy in headdress and says, oh, the Redskins mascot. And I really like Roger Staubach. Shoot him. <laughs> or whoever the Cowboys had in 87. That was pre-Aikman. Just barely, though. He was uh, drafted 88. So, I think. I will buy that a little bit. If but wasn't. it's still problematic if a Dallas Cowboys fan shoots a Washington Redskins fan. <laughs> That is still a problematic thing. It, it's no longer racist, but it is still bad. No, it's very racist. And that's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this guy just doesn't like... Um, but this is a... Yeah. The, the, at least the I don't think... Do they say engines anywhere? Because I don't... I don't think, think that... He does okay. say Redskins, though. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> he does say Redskins, which is not any better than engines, I don't think. They're both pretty uh, pretty offensive. Right. Yeah, it, so it's... You know, we have this... So it's almost a slam on Dallas, if you think about it, because it's sudden the idea is that they rounded up just random people from Dallas and just random Dallas racists. Yeah. <laughs> who sees an Indian, which it's not like there aren't Native Americans that live in Dallas now. And so this guy sees someone. And so does this mean on his daily life if he happened to run into an, an Indian person? I don't know. It's interesting. It also kind of reminded me of the scene. Did you watch did you watch the second season of Fargo? Uh, not yet. We started. Uh, okay. All right. Just well, I, won't, I won't spoil them, but it reminds me of a scene at a bar. And I'll, I'll oh, leave it at that. Funny. If you've seen it, you know, you know what it is. It was a really good scene. If you haven't, then I highly recommend both seasons of Fargo. Well, season both, one was amazing. Very like, enjoyable. I have season two all on my DVR, and I watched, I think, the first episode or two, but I hadn't got, we didn't get past that. So. There's one random weird part that I didn't like, and you'll, you'll know it when you see it. But other than that, it was really, really good. Interesting, yeah. Kind of a, a well, good. Yeah. Kind I of also a, thought a, it was weird that they make a real point. They make a real point to, to, to the loca- the location thing. They right. really felt like they needed to specify that these are Cheyenne right. Native Americans. And why oh. are they so far away from Wyoming? Yeah, so I guess it is not all. Not everyone has to be from Dallas. So, Although, to be a history nerd, if it was pulling them from the past, the Southern Cheyenne uh, would have passed through, could have passed through this area pretty oh, quick. Okay. So either way, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm not sure either. why they felt like they needed to specify the location so much or why people are coming from all over the place. Because it's also weird because that's where Rogue and Forge were Storm. in Wyoming. Yellowstone and Wyoming. And so I thought maybe there's a connection there. Oh, that they're coming from that place, and that's why there's no one there. 
But that doesn't okay. explain any of the other stuff. And nothing explains the Vikings, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Why those guys exist. Yeah. But yeah, all of these random rednecks they found from they found in downtown Dallas, I think, is in, an interesting... Right, when clearly they would be from Fort Worth. Obviously. Ah, uh, DFW gonna... burn! <laughs> if you're going to round up dudes from the streets of downtown Dallas, it's going to be homeless people and douchebags. <laughs> That's what you find in downtown Dallas. There's really not much else. <laughs> right. And to be fair, again, to thwart angry emails, I was born in Fort Worth, so lay off. I wasn't. Screw you, Fort Worth. <laughs> Dallas for life. Dallas for life. Well, anyway, back in elsewhere, I like that. Uh, I like the attention to detail because Forge was building stuff. But he didn't have the material, so he was taking it from his own leg. And I like yeah. the detail of store of Forge standing on the porch and like his leg is like barely there anymore. Yeah, it's like he's like taking just a bunch enough of to stand up. on. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. I mean, it's kind of weird looking, but it's just a really nice detail. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it doesn't look cool. The leg looks weird and, and kind of lame when it gets that small. Well, lame's not the right word, but it doesn't it just doesn't look the same. But put together the idea that he's taking parts apart, then it's a a cool attention to detail, even though it's not a cool look necessarily. Right. Although this way it looks like what a more current version of a prosthetic leg would look like. Yeah, true. Kind of a thin, streamlined version. So, I like how, <laughs> I know Wolverine gives a nice history lesson about, uh, I remind, how do you say this, Thermopylae? Thermopylae, I think so. Okay. About the actual, and that's where we get the title of the chapter, uh, where yeah. he talks about, the, he gives a history lesson on the Spartans and, Impossible odds and last stands and right back to three hundred. Yeah, the only thing he didn't say was leave it all on the field and <laughs> <laughs> like typical, typical inspirational speech stuff. Yeah, bunch of sports analogies, sports uh, cliches. Right. And then I like how Mystique wraps it up by saying, "Since when did you become a romantic?" <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's funny. But and then there's several pages left, but that's the end of my notes. So. I will let you just drive from here. <laughs> it's really just fighting. Yeah. I mean, there's really not much else that, that happens. So we have a lot of more fighting, more sun in the sky. I think Colossus, once Destiny takes the mask off and it's just an old lady, she suddenly becomes a much more sympathetic character. Right. And so Colossus, she's crying and Colossus is holding her. And so you have this tender moment. Back to long shots. Well, yeah, <laughs> even, but even though they're fighting, she's genuinely sad that the X-Men in the future she sees all die. Yeah, yeah she, she's really uh, seen. I'm sorry, nothing. careful careful word choice here by Claremont. There's nothing yeah. in the future for the X-Men. Yeah, there you go, nothing in the future. Yeah, I don't think I had anything else particular to mention. I, I'm a little... The colors get way bad starting about page... I mean, they, they've kind of been, you can tell they've already changed. Yeah. But this guy must have gotten rushed because starting about page 28, the colors just get bad. Yeah, it just get washed out. Uh, I would assume it was just. You made a joke about the green marker. There's a couple of panels where Mystique is green instead of blue. Yeah. Well, there's a panel where Forge is yellow. There's two panels where Forge is bright yellow. And then he goes back to being tan. 
And then he becomes really red, which would be racist if Storm wasn't also with him in red. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay, it's just the sunset. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's a there's a really smug panel of Forge too, page thirty two. Uh, about the way his eyes are drawn, he looks oh. like <laughs> he's got a smug face, and Storm looks angry. Yeah, but hot angry. But yeah, like in typical Sylvester's fashion. Yeah, I guess so, you would call that smoldering. Is that, is that the right well, word for that? I don't know. And I don't understand why this this cowboy dude that shot at the Indians is like still hanging around. He keeps showing up. Well, cause there's other racial groups he needs to shoot at, like the Vietnamese. But he's still there, and the cameraman's still there. He is on a white man Donald Trump crusade to uh, shoot at other races. I think so. I think this is the uh, this is the beginning of the Trump movement right here. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> he's got a very bizarre beard. Yeah, yeah, the coloring on that beard looks awful. It looks like someone at the last minute was like, "He's supposed to have a beard," and Ray was like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> Scribbled in some blue really quickly. You don't call me Bill Ray for nothing. Know, Which I I'm assuming is also the cowboy's name, Bill Ray. That's true. Yeah. Oh, and and so yeah, I can't be geographical because the, 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 we have the Vietnamese in the because the Vietnam War also becomes part well, of that. Well, that, that's in that's inside Eagle Forge, Plaza but, where we had the holograms of his past. Oh, that's so right, it could be that the, they've moved into the plaza. So yeah. Um, and so the redneck guy shoots the Charlie soldier too, or Charlie, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else interesting to point out, but it's a really weird panel of the, the mask with the uh, knife sticking out of it is, I don't know, it's, it just keeps irritating me. I don't know, I find <laughs> it, it, I guess she can't remove the mask because of the spell or whatever that right. I will put on it, but it's a oh. strange thing. <laughs> I did have one more thing I wanted to say. So back when, when Forge and Storm, she, she gets her powers back and they're deciding they're going to try to go home, and so they make out. And there's a thunder in the background, the rumble of thunder, but yeah. it's over the panel where they're kissing, and it looks like it says, mumble, mumble. <laughs> I thought that was funny. That is funny. And so, yeah, and then the panel of Storm flying when she gets her powers back is great. Yeah. And I think at this point, it looks like Oliver's returned to colors. I don't know. I, I can't tell... I can't tell, but I don't think so because in that page thirty-eight, uh, Storm has the really red skin. That, that oh. I think the other guy's the one doing that. That's true. That. Okay. The, but sky, I don't, I don't the purpley sky looks like her, but yeah, I, they I may agree. have just done like not necessarily. She did the first part, and he did the second part. Maybe they just did like pages. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Or even panels. I don't know. Maybe Sylvester left half some of the pages at home. <laughs> And so he had to have his buddy paint, uh, color him. Right. I was assuming just because it's a double-sized issue. but um, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, what do you think of the art in this book? It's pretty good. It's a little It's a little inconsistent to me, at least compared to what we normally see from Silvestri yeah. in this era. But it's still but, overall good. But it was a lot of pages. Yeah, it's a lot of pages. You get tired. Pan gets tired. Yeah. I get it. And the coloring, <laughs> like we said, I don't want to bemoan that. But it's definitely a little off. It's it, Yeah, it... And in parts, it, it takes away from most of the time. It doesn't really take away from it so much, but there are a few places where, like the beard I mentioned, where it looks uh, bizarrely sloppy for right, even for this era. Or, or when Wolverine's costume arms in the background are all the same yellow. That's weird. Yeah, stuff uh, like that. And it's kind of sloppiness that 
You're right. Maybe, maybe just a rush. Maybe that was it. They just ran out of time. And well, I'm assuming <coughs> editor Ann Nacinti was on vacation this week. That's what I'm assuming. Maybe. Maybe Sylvester took too long to draw it all. Possible. Yeah. They were like, you don't have as much time, but we got to get this out. Yeah. But, you know, I know this is not the kind of story we normally really love, but I really enjoyed this issue. Yeah, I, I liked it. it it's, it was weird, and it's got some random randomness to it, but it's not not weird in like a Secret Wars kind of way, where it's like, right. this is stupid. It works, and it's interesting. Yeah. So before we grade it, um, I forgot. Vikings. What? I said even the Vikings. Even the Vikings. It doesn't make sense, but it looks pretty cool, so okay. Yeah. Well, before we grade it, I forgot to mention the cover. The cover is by Sylvester oh, yeah. and, and Dan Green, and it's uh, the trickster in the background with lightning eyes. And then we have all the X-Men like in hot pink X-ray. <laughs> I wrote in yeah. my notes, I like this cover more than I probably should. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of cool. I, I don't I don't really know why they went with the pink. That, to me, is kind of weird. Because yeah, it's 80s. But I think, but uh, I like, I kind of like the idea of it. But I, but like you, I, I feel like maybe I shouldn't, but I do. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, what do you want to grade on Kenny X Men two twenty six? Um, I'm gonna give it a five out of six. I am too. I was on the fence again, but I fell on the five side this time. So yeah. five out of six claws for me as well. It feels a little high, but but it was it's a fun read. Yeah, honestly, if if Oliver had colored the whole book, it probably would have been a pretty strong five. Yeah, so. yeah, I would agree with that. Cool. Well, uh, we got one more issue. All right. So last up, wrapping up the fall of the mutants is Uncanny X Men number two twenty seven, the belly of the beast. Two two seven. I think that's the name of the show that I was trying to think of. I thought it was two two six. Well, that's what I said originally when we first started talking about it. But as I'm reading it, I believe two two seven is the name of the show. Oh, okay. You know what? I'm going to IMDb it Still right now. Still rings zero bells. IMDb. Here's some IMDb music. Do, 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 Yeah, 227. Okay. What is it? 1985. 85? You remember these two ladies right here? Uh-oh. Who's Marla Gibbs and Jack A. Harry. Huh? Where are we at here? Is it... <laughs> This is ridiculous that I'm doing this. This is awesome podcast. Is it showing you? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, why, why can't I find it on the screen? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, there they are. There Cameras they are. on the other side of the iPad. This doesn't look. Even remotely familiar to me. Do you remember the show with the preacher guy? With the preacher guy, okay. And he was, it was like George Jefferson was the dad. I mean, it wasn't George Jefferson, but it was the character. It was a different character, but it was that guy. And he had a daughter. It was really irritating, and she was in love with this preacher. And there was a whole show based around that. I feel like it was... This is a spinoff from the Jeffersons. That, I believe... No, because it wasn't... It was just the same actor. Oh, and and the trivia says Marla Gibbs' character was based on her character from the Jeffersons. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It was a spinoff of the Jeffersons. I'm getting two shows mixed up. That's right, because she was like the the um, the maid or something, I think, in the Jeffersons. Anyway, I don't know why I got all worried about they that. They had a commercial that had Raph in it, and one of the early uses of Raph in a national TV promo 
or ad yeah. directed at mainstream viewers. Seven out of seven viewers found this fact interesting. <laughs> what does that mean? Why is I even mean all of these 100% people find them interesting? Sometimes the less people vote, but no one votes for anything to be uninteresting. I'm going to go true. through and vote for stuff to be uninteresting. That's interesting. This that bores me. Amen. Oh, okay. But Amen sounds true. familiar. Two, two, seven. That's the name of George Jefferson's real name. I don't know. Who cares? I don't really know why I got all worked up about that. It was on for five years. It was. I liked it. I just remember liking the show a lot for whatever reason. Oh. Although apparently it was a show about a bunch of middle-aged women. I don't know why. But I did really like Golden Girls too, so I guess this was the... <laughs> you just like sassy older women. I guess so. I guess so. All right. Well. So, good story. <laughs> <laughs> Great story. Listeners, if you have fond memories of 227 or Amen... Yes, or the then tweet Cameron at... Yeah, let me know. Let me know what you think of it. <laughs> Am I the only person that watched that show? Um, uh, ah. I don't know. All right, I'm doing this one, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we have writer Chris Claremont, penciler Mark Silvestri, inker Dan Green, letterer <laughs> Tom Warzachowski, colorist Bill Ray. Yeah, Bill Ray is back in the color. color but with spot. a W. Ray. Yeah, Woray. Not just Ray, R-A-Y. It's <laughs> Ray. Yes. Be sure to say that next time he's on. Okay. Bill Woolray. Bill Woolray. Bill Woolray. Woo, woo, woo. um, right, and the cover is also by Silvestri and Green. And what's on the cover? Uh, the cover is the team flying out of what looks like the sun. Pretty awesome cover, I think. You think really? I don't care for it. Really? Interesting. Yeah. No. I like it a lot. I, I don't like the colors as much. I think it's a little too much yellow. And they all kind of look like Superman. Well, okay, so that was my out. note, that it doesn't it doesn't look like X-Men to me. It looks like uh, Super Friends. Yeah, that's a, that, is, that is a valid and, point. And it literally fit, it looks like something you would have, like, either, like, during the credits of a cartoon show or, like, on a toy package. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem very X-Men. And is Colossus ever going to get clothes again? He's been yeah, in his know, underwear right? for a long time. permanently naked in, yeah. his, uh, or under, in his underwear. Yeah. yeah, and Colossus, I mean, it, it literally looks like someone drawing Superman. I mean, it does. I mean, on his stomach, and it's just a man of steel. Right. A literal man of steel. Yeah. He's got even the same arm pose and everything. Yeah, so. legs, everything. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, that's it's a, a silver point. Superman. It, it doesn't really look like the X-Men. I still think it looks kind of cool. Right. I like I like the way everyone is drawn, even if it doesn't quite make sense that they would all be flying out like that. Yeah, I mean, even though Colossus is definitely ripping off his Superman pose, like that side of the drawing is better yeah. because he's kind of in action. Rogue has some nice action. Havoc looks kind of weird, but, you know, whatever. But the other yeah. side, like, like, what's Longshot doing? It looks like he's, um, like, sleepwalking, but flying. Yeah. And he's got this shit-eating grin on his face for no reason. And Yeah. I don't know. Slylock looks stiff as a board yeah. for some reason. Wolverine looks like he's falling. Yeah. And everyone else looks like they're deliberately flying. Wolverine, face and arms, looks yeah. like it's an accident. He looks terrified. <laughs> yeah. 
He does. And I kind of put like, me down. I kind of feel like the amount of cleavage that Storm has hanging out would not be very aerodynamic. No, not at all. Seems like that would uh, take away from her ability to fly yeah. on the wind. That's but. Some early Mark Silvestri sexiness, though. Yeah. You know, I, I know my '90s Marvel image guys, and Mark Silvestri definitely had his fair share of boobs. But these boobs look more like Eric Larson boobs to me. So, just throwing that out there. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, Cameron, <laughs> All right. what so, happens in our last chapter of The Mutant? I'm sorry. Fall of the Mutants. We, well, you just cut out real bad there for a second. So did you. So. Well, so which one? Which one? Whose fault is it? I don't know. My connection, your connection. Um, okay, I'm going to so blame open... Storm's boobs. <laughs> Skype right. Skype got really excited and couldn't handle it. <laughs> that's, that's probably exactly what happened. <laughs> all right, so we open up in Dallas. Dallas is on fire, blowing up apparently all over the place. Although I don't remember it ever blowing up like that, but okay. Oh, yeah. I know, I'm just kidding. But yeah, so it looks like a lightning bolt coming out of that big tear in the sky from the previous issues, blowing up, I mean, Eagle Plaza. It's blowing up. I guess it's not really the whole downtown, just Eagle Plaza. But but the little thing says at the bottom of the panel says the night of the end of the world. Which yeah. is a very catchy way to say that, but Yeah, it's very menacing. Kind of awkward, but um <clears throat> so it's blowing up and then we have uh well, what's the red guy's name? Commando? Uh Crimson Commando. Crimson. Commando. <laughs> is that really his name? <laughs> I still feel like that's a period reference, but. Um, <laughs> all right, so basically, it's. You don't want to go, Crimson Commando. Exactly. Exactly. Very good. Um, and so they're the uh, Freedom Force. They're basically trying to figure out what happened. They think everybody's dead. Um, then they suddenly discover that there's a live feed from that NPR reporter that they're able to pick up. Um, and it's recording what's happening. So Mystique and the Blob and um, uh, Firestarter, no, Pyro, I mean. Firestarter. <laughs> I'm your Firestarter. <laughs> Twisted Firestarter. What? <laughs> Crimson Commando. So they're watch, they all start watching the feed. So then we get to a, a two-page but two-half-page spread of the what we left off with, which is this kind of crazy world that doesn't make any sense with dinosaurs and Viet Cong soldiers and... Jungles and skyscrapers and all kinds of crazy things. And so the X-Men are there fighting dinosaurs, basically. And then there's a Well, big... no, remember the X-Men are in, in Forge's old building. And so they're, yeah. they're reliving his past. So there's this... Yeah, they're seeing... When he, was in the Vietnamese, when he was in the Vietnam War, the NAM, yeah. uh, some demons attacked his squad. Oh, that's right. These aren't yeah. dinosaurs. These are demons. Right. I think there were dinosaurs previously. Yes, there were. But... That's right. That's right. But these were the demons. Okay. Um, yeah. So they're they're trapped in there. They're reliving this uh, past of forges. Um, all right. And so the NPR reporter basically goes through and describes everybody, which is kind of cool because it's cooler than the usual um, the way they often do it, where they just have like a summary of everything the X Men are about. Right. Instead, you have this kind of like this whole comic is set up like a documentary, yeah. Which I kind of like, and so even with like interviews, so where they have moments where he's interviewing 
which I guess they did a little bit of that in the last comic, but this one, like, the whole thing is set up that way, so that was kind of cool. Um, so he goes through the team, explains everybody, uh, and then we see basically a bunch of fighting, a bunch of pretty cool panels of uh, Colossus and Havoc and um, Psylocke and even this almost cool long shot thing. I hate to say anything long shot, but it's very cool, but... Uh, or he throws a bunch of spears. It's kind of cool. Yeah, his little knives. He's, he's riding yeah. a demon like a horse. Yeah. Or more like a tauntaun, I guess. Right. He does uh, look like a That's funny. Um, and so they're fighting. Colossus picks up a tree and smacks some of these demons around. <laughs> um, and then we have Madeline Pryor, who's still there, um, talking about how she's... It's crazy that she's there because she's normal and has no powers, but she still wants to be there to help. Um, and so she stumbles across Forge, and so now we're deep in Forge's mind, um, or past, I guess. And she sees Forge, but Forge fighting the Vietnam War. So it's actual uh, memory Forge right. fighting the war. And so she sees basically what's happening, and Forge basically gets stuck in a tough spot. It's just him. Um, he's getting overrun, and so he calls in an airstrike that basically shows up and kills everybody. Just a really devastating, destructive airstrike. Um, and Forge seems horrified about it. So we kind of reveal this dark moment in his, in his uh, time, in the, time in the war, uh, which he calls in this airstrike that kills a tremendous amount of people. Yeah, but he also um, kind of inadvertently in his panic is responsible for bringing forth the demons. So yeah, it's kind of it's kind of double guilty, feeling guilty, double. Yeah, that's right. Because as soon as once he calls the airstrike, then he also opens up this gate portal in the sky that then dumps out all these demons. Right. And Madeline says, "No." That's actually, you know, uh, we complained about the colors, and they're not great in this issue, but the color there is very pulpy. It looks pretty cool on Madeline's face. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, there's some points. There's some points in here. I also think uh, the forge, where forge is screaming, uh, the life force have I claimed. I, th- I think that looks kind of cool too. There's, yeah, it does. There's some places where the coloring works in this comic more, I think, than in the last one, where it yes. kind of it paralleling. It just didn't look good because the other, the rest of the colors are look nice, and then suddenly it gets kind of faded and washed out. Right. But here, I like. I like it. I think it works. Well, it works in panels and other panels. It doesn't. So, so we have this moment. Demons are falling from the sky. Airstrikes coming in. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Now, then we jump to <clears throat> Naze up in his uh, space station or whatever. <laughs> and Forge, basically they're arguing about what's going on. And, and not Forge, I mean Storm. He's arguing with Storm. She's basically saying his plan is not worth the billions of souls it's going to take and he says i'm a god who cares about people's souls and so they're discussing basically what he's trying to do his whole point of this then we jump back to dallas and they're still watching the live feed apparently um and they're getting the interview an interview with uh, wolverine <laughs> uh, where he asks wolverine what he thinks about what's going on and wolverine says get that flaming lens out of my face bub yeah Which he right. likes the only response Wolverine should have towards a camera. <laughs> uh, and then Wolverine calls him a busybody, which is pretty funny. As an old person thing to say. Right. But they seem to be pretty happy that he's there and he's talking about what he's trying to do, the, the NPR reporter that is. Anyway, so in the midst of this, Psylocke then begins to sense the real Forge. So not just the memory Forge that 
Madeline Pryor saw, but the real forge somewhere around. And so they're trying to figure out where he is. They see the Citadel or the space station. And uh, Rogue flies up towards it to try to do something with it, but ends up getting knocked back to the knocked back to the ground. Anyway, so now they're standing around for a while. Dazzler still has this stupid mask with the sword in it, or the knife in it on her face, which I feel like that should have come off by this point, but I guess <laughs> magic, so it's going to stay there. We get some more interviews. We get a long shot interview. We get a Madeline Pryor interview, interestingly, uh, kind of talking about each per, each character's motivations, which, again, is kind of cool, even even long shot that I typically don't like. I like the little uh, check-in with his character. Anyway, they come up with a plan in which they're going to basically lasso everybody, uh, rope ties everyone together in a, in a, with a, by a rope, and basically they're going to throw long shot up into the air, and he's just going to luckily get up there since that's power luckily he's gonna make it up there and then it'll pull everyone else up it's kind of the idea and it basically works they get all the way up to the space station somehow and they crash through naze finds them and they start fighting now in the middle of this they nothing seems to hurt naze but that uh long shots blades do because they're made out of cold iron yeah long shots blades do and they realize that steel iron Hurts it. Yeah. In a hey, way don't we have even, a guy that can do that? Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> even in a way that adamantium didn't hurt it, which is interesting. Oh, okay. Not, it's not specifically metal, not specifically steel. Steel. <laughs> steel alloy. Steel. Right. And so, um, in the, so they realize that Colossus is there um, and says, hey, I could do this, um, and jumps and basically splits Naze in half by jumping through him. Great panel. Great panel gross and great all the same time. <laughs> right now it's an important point because if you remember from before colossus wasn't supposed to be there the chess piece board all that stuff the franklin mint chess piece set we talked about he wasn't supposed to be there and so the way naze set all this up i assume because naze knew that the steel could hurt him colossus wasn't going to be there but he does because the other lady roma Roma, who's trapped up there with Storm, yeah. had, a, had basically convinced him to... Well, she stole uh, this chess piece and, and gave it to Colossus when she... Oh, that's right. She stole yeah, and gave yeah. it to him, and then he uh, found Ilyana and brought him back. And all that. We just talked about that. We just, just talked about that a minute ago. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. A few, a few minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so he's not supposed to be there, and so now that he's there, he's able to dive right through Naze. Yeah. Um, Who shows his true form. Reveals his true form. It looks kind of like one of the aliens from uh, Alien. A little bit, yeah, but like a shadow of it. Yeah, a shadow version of one yeah. of those. Aliens. It's pretty cool looking. Yeah, I, I thought this looks pretty cool. Um, and so basically he then tears a portal or opens a portal. I'm not really clear how the portal opens. It just seems to open <laughs> So anyway, a portal opens up somehow, and they're basically trying to throw him into the portal. And so we have more fighting. Forge is revealed in the midst of all this uh, with Roma and Storm. Um, everybody gangs up on Naze. Ultimately, they drive him through the portal. Yeah, they're trying to push him inside, and he's yeah. clinging to the outside of the portal. And... He's trying to stay in there. Yeah. So, so Rogue opened the portal, right? By because she made out with Naze, 
before he turned into a shadow monster, and so she was able to absorb some of his sorcery. Oh, that's right, that's right. Oh yeah, I even wrote in my notes, Rogue makes out with Nazay, and I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she does. Yeah, I forgot. I, I mean, uh, I remember he, that. He basically thing. tells her that uh, you you stole enough power to open the portal, but not enough power to make me go through it. Oh, uh, that's right. So she opens the portal, and so they're trying to basically force him in there. And eventually they do. Forges, powers, drives him through. Yeah, so Forge casts a spell that like basically uses the essence of all the X-Men. And then you get some ancient tablet or something. Or no, sorry. The tablet is the out when the portal closes. It yeah, turns that's next. into a tablet. So yeah, so basically the, the souls of the X-Men are able to force. It's almost like he, he, he makes this big ball and, and throws like a soul ball at at the shadow creature and knocks the trickster through the portal and it closes into a tablet. Yep. And it says the scales are balanced. And little, thanks, it looks like Ten Commandments, really. It kind of does, yeah. See, Charlton Heston's going to come out. And <laughs> a boy can dream. About it. And so, yeah, so that all seals up, and so now they have this little tablet that stands there, and now they have to decide if it's worth, if it was worth it all. Yeah. So, and let's kind of clarify, the, uh, the premise or the supposition is that the X-Men went into the portal with Nazi. Like, their souls knocked him in, but they, they were carried through as well, so the X-Men are gone. And thanks to the NPR guy, everyone thinks the X-Men died, saving Dallas from this terrible creature. I didn't even catch that. That's funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's why the whole next scene in Scotland. Yeah, that's what makes sense. I just, whatever reason, I didn't connect the idea. Your aisle. People thought they went through that. The, they went through the portal. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that makes sense. When you say it, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> so everyone, because they're watching that live feed, they think everyone's dead. Right. Um, so we cut back to Dallas. We have a little. I guess that's supposed to be Kitty Pride. Yeah, Kitty Pride yeah, watching. Storm we're on Mirror TV. Island now. Why does it say? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It says it, midnight. It says midnight in Dallas is dawn over Mirror Isle. Yeah. Island. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I just looked. I thought, I don't know, for some reason I thought Kitty was in Dallas and they were going back and forth uh, no. with Muir Island. But anyway, um, Kitty is in Muir Island. So anyway, they figure out that they're, uh, they're, they're really sad about it, but they figure out that they're okay. Um, we go back to Dallas. Well, where, where do you get that? What? That they think they're okay. Uh, oh, I jumped ahead. She oh, 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 yeah. Sorry. So, so just kind of uh, something we won't. I don't know. I don't know. Wolverine will ever show up, so I don't know if we'll ever cover this. But this is laying the seeds for the Excalibur series. Oh, that makes sense. So Kitty and and Nightcrawler particularly are yeah. kind of distraught over the deaths of the X Men and their teammates, and they mm-hmm. stay in Muir Island. They don't go back home, and then that okay. kind of leads to the forming and foundation of Excalibur. Okay, that makes sense. I, I wondered. I thought this was interesting that they're there. And so is is Kurt still? I mean, he's not still um, in a coma, obviously, because he's talking. But I no, guess he's still he's, injured. Yeah, he's still pretty badly injured. Um, he's not covered. That's why he's there and right. in bed. Moira is still treating them. They're they're still her patients at this point. Yeah. 
So yeah, so they don't they don't find out. I just kind of skipped ahead in my right. head. They don't. I don't find out for a long time, actually. Yeah, they think they're gone. That, that's right. That makes sense. Why it leads into the next series. Um, and so in the comic, though, we jump back to Dallas. Storm's over. The storm, not storm. Right. Um, oh, and a <laughs> portal reopens, and the X Men all come out of it, and the uh, Freedom Force is just still hanging out there. Well, no, just Forge comes out first, and the Freedom Force and the press are all mad because they say that Forge uh, yeah. chose to sacrifice the X-Men, and that Man, Mystique even calls him a murderer. I'm not doing a very good job today. <laughs> That's all right. Because she's mad, obviously, because of, of her relationship with Rogue. Right. And so she's super pissed at Forge, and he just kind of walks off. He goes, I cast a spell. I couldn't be a part of it. That's right. <laughs> And he's wearing nothing but a little uh, loincloth. Little loincloth. Yeah. And he walks off as people shout "murderer" at him. At right. him. And so we go to Roma's Starlight Citadel now yes. that Zay is no longer in charge of the space station. Yeah. Uh, and she's doing something with the book, the yeah. tablet. Uh, reopens it, I guess, and pulls the X Men out. I don't think she reopened it or just pulls them out. She just pulls the X-Men out and says that, you know, Naze, the trickster, can't be locked away forever. He's part of the natural cycle, but he got out of control, and so they're going to leave him in there for a little while. And she basically gives the X-Men kind of a choice. I can send you back to your lives, you know, where you were, or I can basically send you anywhere, any time, any place. You know, you get to choose like what y'all want next, and I'll I'll grant you that for saving the universe, which is a pretty awesome uh, direction directional change. Yeah, I mean, if I wanted to go turn the X Men into Time Warriors, yeah, I'm kind of you know kind of uh, wouldn't mind seeing kind of the alternate the the story where they choose that option and like where they decide to go kill Hitler. Well, no, just like just. <laughs> You have a bunch of period pieces, like, you know, the X-Men in the Old West, or like eight-year-old Jason would have eaten that for breakfast, like, every day. Oh, yeah. Like a quantum leap with X-Men. Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be great. <laughs> that would be really great. So they talk about it for a little bit. They don't really say where they're going. We get a tease. Yeah, they kind of leave you hanging a little bit. In the next bit. issue, like, a new beginning down under, so we kind of... Kind of get a tease of what's going to come next, but they don't, they don't actually say. Yeah, but they end on a, a G.I. Joe-style panel. <laughs> totally. Standing their arms crossed Yeah, with uh, some kind of light beaming behind them. But it's cool. It is pretty cool. It's a cool ending. Yeah. So what do you think of the art in this one? Um, it's good. Oh, wait, wait. What's, uh, you have any, any other notes? I do think it was cool that on page two they talk about Wolverine being the boss. And then on page three, we get an awesome panel of Havoc's fist. Yes. Oh, I wanted to talk about Longshot's bones being hollow. Yeah, like a bird. Or Nelly Furtado. Had that been established before? I think, but I'm not sure. I mean, I don't care enough about Longshot to really <laughs> deal with it too much, but right. I don't feel like I've ever heard that, or if I did, I forgot, because again, I don't care that much about Longshot, but it just seemed like such a random thing. Seems like that would cause a lot of problems for him to have hollow bones. You think they would break easy, but I guess that's and why that, that's why he needs all the good luck. That's true. Luckily, he doesn't break his bones. Right. Exactly. 
So when did... I don't know that hollow bones would really make you that much lighter. It's like basically that just means you don't have the bone marrow. <laughs> that can't weigh that much because you still have the outside of the bone. You still got all your muscle, which is the heaviest part. Yeah, I don't know. He's... I don't think it would really help as much as they acted like he's just gonna. Get Plus thrown. that mullet's got to be heavy. You know it's got to be heavy. <laughs> and that grin. The grin's got to weigh five pounds. Right? Yeah, easy. That's easy, a 10-pound smile. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I think that's... So, so last issue, we talked about people getting captured off panel. When did Storge and... Storge and Form. When did, Storm. when did Forge and Storm get captured? Right, the last time we saw them, they were on their way home, and then suddenly they're Naze's prisoners. Yeah, I'm not clear. I wasn't clear about that either. I was I was wondering. I looked back quickly into 226 to see yeah, if there was no. something at the very end I missed, but I don't think so. Yeah. They're just smooching. Yeah, yeah, smooching and coming home, and then, oh, here we are, captured. <laughs> Maybe that lightning burst that it on uh, page thirty nine and two two six. There's a lightning burst that hits. Maybe that's them. And they just landed in the wrong place, I guess. And now they like just captured them real quick. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. You're right. That is weird. Uh, the only other specific note I had was on the bottom of page fourteen. Wolverine flying through the air, Sylvester style, is the best panel of, of all of these issues we talked about today. Yeah, I would agree with that. It it's, is very cool. It's just really rad. All right, so art in general, what do you think? Good, Sylvester's still not, um, obviously not quite to the top of his game, but but it's solid. I I think. Yeah, I I thought it was probably the weaker of the three. Yeah, I could probably could see that. But but there are some awesome, really cool panels to kind of balance that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know that I see enough difference to really differentiate. Okay. That's cool. Um, between the three, but some of it is to the colors, and it's really weird because the colors in some parts of this issue are a lot better. Yeah. But in some parts of this issue, but in some parts of this issue, they're still pretty terrible. Yeah, I think overall, it it's just there are parts. I don't think that the colors are better necessarily anywhere in the issue. I think there are just some panels that it works for, like well, we talked about before. And there's not as many parts. like blatant mistakes though. Oh yeah, like yeah. There yeah, that's a good point. I guess. I mean, that is a good point. Not just I guess. <laughs> I begrudgingly accept right. your point. So patronizing. No, yeah, I see what you mean. It is in that case. I would agree with that too. But I do think there are panel. There are more panels where the color. In the other, in the other issue, it seemed like every panel that he did, the colors took away from what was happening. Right. Whereas in this one, while that happens in a lot of panels, there are some panels that I think it adds to it. Like, oh yeah, definitely. The horror face, the the demons coming out of the sty scene, the plane, I think, dropping the bombs is kind of cool. Yeah, it's nice and dark. Oh, uh, kind of like the, the interview, the way that it's kind of light, like night light, like moonlit, you uh-huh. know, it looks pretty cool. It does yeah. a pretty good job of kind of showing that, that uh, moonlighting. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's definitely better, better in this issue. But then you have weird stuff like where it's just uh, like on the last page, the panel where Colossus and Rogue are standing there, which could be really cool, but it's just like all pink. 
like the sunlight in the background, Colossus. Oh, the, but the pink the on his armor, though, like kind of the way the armor shades, it looks pretty sweet, though. Yeah, I, I like the, the way it's done. I, I I think the pink is weird, though. Yeah, fair enough. I don't, know what, I don't know what light looks like in Roma Land. But um, I, I do like on the last panel, the G.I. Joe panel, the height discrepancy, because they stand Wolverine right in front of Colossus. <laughs> yeah, I like that, too. He looks so tiny. It's, uh, it's not quite as bad. Do you remember when we were kids? I think it was either a Foot Locker or a Finish Line, or maybe it was a Sports Illustrated thing. But they had a poster, and it had, like, um, was it Sean Bradley or Manute Bowl? And then, like, compared to Spud Webb. And it had, like, the markings yeah, of, like, the height. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. No, it's not I quite that, that bad, but still. Yeah, not that bad, but still uh, funny. All right, well, when you want to grade on Kenny X-Men, 227. Um, I think five. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm again. I feel like that's a little high for me, but... I push between four and a five. I kind of feel like all these issues are like right on the line between a four and a five. Yeah. I went four and then I went five. And I think this one, uh, just to be different from you, I'll go four out of six claws. (laughs) All right. But I feel like the whole whole series, the whole issues were really strong overall. Um, Yeah. and, And as much as this does not even remotely tie in to the other Fall of the Mutants. The title works for this story as its own thing. Yeah. And this is a Fall of the Mutants. It's just not the Fall of the Mutants that all the other books was. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and I think, too, as much as I, in the beginning of the Stormforge Naze story, I wasn't all that crazy about it, but I feel like it got interesting by the end. Oh, definitely. And I, I think, you know, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that, that the way they, they wrapped it up once they got to these last three issues, I think it got really interesting. Although, you know, still a little weird at, at points, but I think it worked better than at the beginning with like the Eagle serpents and, that part was kind of, cool too, though. For but five issues, they just seem to be in a journey, wandering around, right? Wandering around, taking a walkabout. Yeah, exactly. It was just, it wasn't bad. It was just still kind of boring. Like it just, they just stretched it out too long, I think, and didn't do any enough with it. And so it was just this random. Here's three pages. We're gonna stick in each comic for a while, just right. so you know that they're still alive, but nothing's really gonna happen. Um, but then, you know, it then- picked up a lot. And finish strong, I think. Yeah, and it kind of builds into this thing that really, you know, significantly changes the status quo for the book going forward. Oh yeah, and I and now now that I realize the the connection with kind of where Excalibur comes out of that, I right. think it's even more in kind of how this plays out. And it'll be interesting to see where they go after this, where she where she does end up seeing them, of course, because then we'll. Like you said, it's going to be a long time of Excalibur before they realize that they're the X Men aren't dead. Yeah, and, and X Factor, like no one knows they're alive for for quite a I'm ways. An, I'm an X Factor, right? I said, I no, said both. They're both yeah. applicable. <clears throat> yeah, applicable. Whatever. No. And the new mutants are still operating. Around. So you got all these different X teams out now, and the main one, apparently, everyone thinks is gone for right. a long time. So yeah, it's a it's a big setup and a big shift. 
And Dazzler doesn't do almost anything in this comic, which I think makes it better. <laughs> oh, well, think... you'll, you'll really love the next issue then. In fact, I don't think she says more than. Well, she can't. She's got a sword stabbed through her forehead. Yeah, but she was still talking in the previous issue. Was she? I thought she was like. Oh, maybe. I feel like she she was able to talk still. Oh, I don't remember. I could be wrong. And how did the thing come off? I guess just when she when they went into the world and then she comes out. And <laughs> I'm off. guessing the portal cured her. That's all I can think of. Or, or when Roma pulled them back out, she she said she get, they were like reborn, kind of. Like, his Wolverine's like, we almost died. And Roman's like, oh, you, you did die. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking back to see if that thing came off before. Yeah, no, she's talking with the mask on. Oh, she is? Okay. On page 11, she talks, I think it's the, well, she says like two things, that's one of them. Oh, okay. She's talking normal. She the says, mask hey, get have, this mask off my face. The mask seems to have no effect on her at all. Except that I guess she can't see. Yeah, I don't know. Because she's holding hands with long shot the whole, <laughs> and getting through, so I guess she can't see, but right. she seems to be getting around okay, so... I don't know. Wait, anyway. before, before I forget. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I keep good on my word. Um, I want to talk about the, the Hulk issue, the Incredible Hulk. And I, okay. I, I think the reason it didn't have the official banner tie-in, like the Fall of the Mutant like, kind of headline on the top of the issue, was yeah. because it was more directly tied to this story. And this story didn't really tie into the main Fall of the Mutant story. So I think when they put the Hulk issue out, like it leads into this, but it doesn't really tie into the actual crossover. So that's probably why it's kind of an unofficial tie-in. But this doesn't really tie in either. No, it doesn't at all. So I feel like the Hulk issue tied in just as, as much. much as right. <laughs> and so I still think the Hulk issue probably should have had Fall means tie-in. Yeah, probably so. Because that was, I mean, I mean, I guess it wasn't a necessary setup for this. You didn't really need it, but it was nice though. It did add. I think it did add to the story. Yeah, I think it did too. That it was that if I was the editor, I would have said, "Stick it on there, man." Right. What's the yeah. worst that could happen? Yeah, and just a quick comment. We won't. Wolverine wasn't in any of them, so we won't talk about the the actual event. But if you haven't read it, I would definitely recommend going back. I uh, I recently reread it in preparation for for all of this, and this it holds up really well. It's really good. Nice. And especially with the uh, X Men Apocalypse movie coming out soon, um, it's definitely definitely worth your your time, worth a reread. I agree with that. All right. Was, so, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just repeating you. Okay, cool. So before we get out, I do want to revisit. One comment that we made because we're a comic book podcast and because I feel like we're expected to have opinions on comic book media and because we kind of disparage Zack Snyder earlier. Oh, did we? I don't remember that. I just want, I just want to say that um, I haven't seen BVS yet and I know we have fans of the show that are will both aggressively attack and aggressively defend that movie. And I know that it's supposed to be a very polarizing film. I will say for me that Man of Steel, which was an equally polarizing film, I thought was very okay. (laughs) And have very little opinion about it. 
<laughs> I will say for me that the, my main issue with these movies, A, I just haven't had time to go see it because I have a newborn and it's like three hours long. But also, I just don't like Zack Snyder as a filmmaker. I, by some weird series of events, have seen almost all of his movies and generally hate all of them. I will say... Uh, for my, my fans who, who love to hate and hate to love, that Man of Steel is probably my favorite Zack Snyder movie, if I had to choose one. So there's that. I feel like, um, I feel like, like, for 300, like, if the late 70s and early 80s, like, art was fueled by cocaine, I feel like 300 was fueled by uh, Zack Snyder's, like, low-T medicine. Like, he had low testosterone, and this was, like, his... <laughs> His fever dream to make up for not having testosterone. That's funny. I also feel like Sucker Punch, if it had an odor, would smell like someone's, like someone gave you their old masturbation sock. <laughs> I would agree with that too. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Um, I don't know if anybody cares as much about my opinion, but they do. Um, I, I, uh, I, I just don't like him very much. I don't like any of his movies very much. I, I know that a lot of people are, when I, for some reason, when I talk to people, people, I'm using air quotes, whoever <laughs> these people are, the um, imaginary Cameron, a lot of people talk about how great 300 yeah, is. Yeah. People love that movie and I hate it, but I just don't like it. And there's, there's interesting visuals in it from time yeah, to time. It looks cool. I think sucker punch looked cool too. It did. It looked like a video game, though. The story in 300, I think, didn't make... wasn't interesting. And the story in Sucker Punch, I think, didn't make any sense. Right. And Man of Steel, I would have... As far as I'm concerned, is the the best of the ones of his I've seen, but... And I I actually liked Man of Steel. I like... um, I like... uh, What's his name? Uh, Henry Cavill a lot. Yeah. As an actor. And other stuff I've seen him in. And so I like him as Superman... I feel like I can't remember if we had if we've talked about this on the podcast or if I talked about this other times, but I feel like he looks like I think Superman should look like. Yeah, I can get behind that. And partly because he looks like a a beefed up version of the Smallville guy. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, to me, in my mind, it works. It's the same guy. Right. Yeah. And Shared so universe. I, yeah. Exactly. And so I like that, and um, I like so in Man of Steel. I thought I just thought it wasn't as interesting as it could have been. I think yeah. to me that was my only complaint about it is it was there was a a tremendous amount of destruction, but again that's supposed to play out for this uh, this current movie as right. I as I understand. But I just didn't. It just wasn't extremely interesting, and so it was an okay way to set up a character. Um, and so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, Batman versus Superman, but yeah, I will see it at some point. Yeah. And just... Oh yeah, I'll definitely see it. I'm looking forward to seeing it, even though I don't really have very high expectations for it. <laughs> just, I mean, just honestly, I don't, which is good because then I will go into it a little less critical because I don't really expect it to be very good. I don't expect to like Ben Affleck as Batman. Oh, um, I don't have like a, Oh, I hate Ben Affleck type thing. I just, right. I just don't feel like, uh, I don't know. And I've heard, I've heard both things from and just uh, people, other comic nerds whose yeah. who's, uh, opinions I trust. I've heard people say it's great. More people say it's not, I think, but but you, uh, you just don't know. Sometimes yeah. it's what you, you go into it with, you know? Right. 
I like I like Michael. I like a lot of the people in uh, in the movie. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we, we will. Now I will also say, on the other hand, Suicide Squad. I don't think I even have any interest in seeing. Yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll play that by ear. That's one I might see if someone drags me to it, or I'll wait and watch it on HBO. Because I just <laughs> pre- the previews of it, I it's just not. It doesn't look at all interesting to me. Yeah, I don't know. But we'll I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rule it out. It's just my personal opinion. But we'll see. Because I'm looking on here, executive producer Aquaman, Flash, Wonder Woman. They're going all in on this DC universe. They are. I just hope. IMDb. IMDb page. So. Yeah, I just hope. Producer on all of those. There's been some talk that some some of the other creators involved have not been super happy with with Zack Snyder's treatment of either them as people or whatever. I I don't I don't really want to get into all that, but yeah, I I hope I want the movies to be good. Like I want them to succeed and, and be good. So yeah, crossing my fingers that that. Warner Brothers will, will pull it together, similar to what Marvel has. I, I hope they do. I don't. I'm not one that's like one or the other. Like they don't compete for me. Like I just want to watch it all. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't bear any ill will towards. I don't really care that much. I mean, just honestly, I, I'm not a huge DC fan in general. I like Batman, but if if uh, the Christopher Nolan Batman to the last Batman movies ever made, I, I would be okay with that. <laughs> I mean, to me, that, that was the pinnacle. And so, um, I, I don't know. I, I've always been a Marvel, particularly X-Men guy. And so, if those movies are coming out and good. That's all I really care about. And so, right. <laughs> I'll see DC movies, but, you know, if it's not good, it's no... Uh, it's not like a... Spider-Man 3, which hurt my soul right. because I really cared about Spider-Man, you know, or even X-Men 3, which in, in maybe revisiting isn't as bad as I remember. It, oh, really? Okay. Well, but still isn't good. Yeah. We will watch that at some point for the podcast. So yeah. I, I actually I, have the... Maybe last year, I think it was. Yeah. And I, and I remember watching it thinking, it's not terrible. It's not, it's still not good. Okay. But. I always, for a long time, I always thought, oh, Spider-Man 3, X-Men 3, worst movies. Right. Spider-Man 3, I think, still holds up. It's probably one of the worst movies. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> X-Men 3 is just, it's just not good. It just, it was a, it was just a, uh, in my opinion, the wrong direction to go with it. Right. But it opened the door for what I think is probably about the best reboot of any movie series ever, <laughs> uh, which is the X-Men, you know, days of future past. Yeah. Really which good. I thought the way they just rebooted the whole series was, was uh, pretty amazing myself. Yeah. I like it. It was a lot yeah. like the way they did. Uh, Star, Star Trek. Trek. Yeah. That was really cool too. Jinx. Yeah. You owe me a Coke. Yeah. I owe you some Coke. There you go. Then we can podcast all night long. Yeah, right, right <laughs> off a of storm's halter top. There you go. <laughs> and with that, we're going to shut it on down. Um, Cameron, do you have anything you want to plug? What's your Twitter? All that good stuff. Uh, no plugs. Twitter at Cameron Sinclair. Uh, that's pretty much all I got going on. I was going to say, unless you're in the market for some online history courses, and then uh, then hit him up. Some... Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Check me out. There you go. Well, as usual, like the Facebook page, uh, Twitter is at Snickcast. Uh, email is snickcast at yahoo.com. Show notes are at 
snickcast.podbean.com. Next up, if we can swing it, will be a Wolverine. I think it's is it year fourteen, part two. It'll be a. We'll kind of see what happens to the X Men after they their rebirth here. So that'll be exciting. And, uh, where are they gonna be? Yeah, where is that? Where can Down Under be? Like down under the table, maybe. Interesting. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So hopefully that'll be next. And um, yeah. So Cameron, thanks for coming on. And until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye. See ya. And snacked. <laughs>